Hey there, folks. My name is Mike Perner from Inroads Ministries, and this is your Daily Nerd Devo. Now, I know I've mentioned Jim Henson's Storyteller on a previous Devo, but it's been a while, and I'm still on my quest to make sure that I'm not the only one left who remembers this particular brand of late 80s, early 90s nerdy greatness. There's rumors of Neil Gaiman even driving a reimagined version of the show, but those rumors were a while back, so I don't know if anything's going to come from it. Anyway, for those of you who weren't here last time, let's have a brief reminder of what we're dealing with here. Jim Henson's Storyteller was a show that mixed live actors with a multitude of puppets of varying sizes and styles as only Jim Henson's Creature Shop could put together. Each episode started with The Storyteller, played by the late great John Hurt and his dog sitting by the fire. Which is the best place reserved for storytellers, after all. Something will happen at that point that inspires the storyteller to weave a tale of mostly European folklore to his dog. And we, as the audience, get to come along for the ride. I never missed this show growing up. And in an age where our media is increasingly streamed, my boxed set of both the original Storyteller series and the follow-up a few years later featuring the Greek myths is a treasured possession. I was reminded recently of an episode of the original series that was out of the usual format. Partly because it's an episode that's more inspired by a story of Celtic folklore than a straight retelling, and partly because it actually features the storyteller himself as a character. The episode is entitled A Story Short, and if you've ever read Stone Soup, you know the first half of the episode already. The storyteller and a beggar convince the king's cook that they can make an excellent soup with nothing more than a stone and some hot water. A bit of fast talking and persuasion later, and the cook has ended up creating a sumptuous meal for the two men without even realizing that he's done it. It's the second part, however, the part where the cook brings the storyteller before the royal family for punishment befitting such trickery, that I want to draw our attention to today. I won't go into much about what happens next in the story, because it is a series of surprises you should experience fresh if you can. But, upon being brought before the king, his majesty asks the storyteller who he is and what he does. The storyteller's response is something that has stuck with me over the decades since I first watched it. I'm a teller of stories, a weaver of dreams. I can sing, dance, and in the right weather, I can stand on my head. I know seven words of Latin. I have a little magic and a trick or two. I know the proper way to meet a dragon. I can fight dirty, but not fair. I once swallowed 30 oysters in a minute. I am not domestic. I am a luxury. And in that sense, necessary. This is single-handedly the greatest way I have ever heard anyone describe what they do. It's been with me so long that I've actually used variations of it to describe my ministry when I'm, well, feeling a bit ridiculous. It's not just the content of this introduction that makes me smile, but the sheer audacity of it. This man is prostrate before the king and his family, accused of terrible things by a cook who would see him boiled in oil. And when asked to explain himself, these are the words that tumble forth from his mouth. Sure, in this instance it leads to the king being so entertained that he forgoes the boiling oil so long as the storyteller can tell him a story every day for the following year. But how could he have known that? That's just it, though. He didn't. 
not a clue. His cluelessness is actually a large part of the plot that follows this moment. I am 100% convinced that he would have given that response regardless of who he was in front of. He is simply, confidently, being who he is. It's amazing what you say and do when you know who you are. It made me think of 1 John 3, verses 1-3. through 3. See what kind of love the Father has given to us, that we should be called children of God. And so we are. The reason why the world does not know us is that it did not know Him. Beloved, we are God's children now, and what we will be has not yet appeared. But we know that when He appears, we shall be like Him, because we shall see Him as He is. And everyone who thus hopes in Him purifies himself as He is pure. Through Christ, we are all adopted as children of God and heirs with Christ. This isn't something we do, it's who we are. More than that, one of my favorite parts about this whole thing is right there at the start. God calls us his children, and so we are. Done and dusted, there is no turning back. He says it is, and it is so. The rest of this section, and the rest of the chapter really, just clarify that as his kids, we act like his kids. And when we don't, well, you can travel down to verse 19 where John points out that even when our hearts condemn us, God doesn't, because his love for us is greater than our failure. I could leave it here and send us all on our way, reminded that we are, in fact, children of God and should walk with head high and swagger secured. But I also realized something about the timing of this one, and, well, I wanted to say something that somebody might need to hear. Hey, Ryan, can you... Yeah, um, hey, just sorry. Can you cut the music for a sec? No, I mean, it's, it's great. It's always a nice touch, but I just want to take it down a notch just for a sec. Thanks, dude. So as this airs, we find ourselves smack in the holiday season. For those of us in the United States, Thanksgiving is still in recent memories. And no matter where you are, we're all gearing up for Christmas. This is supposed to be a joyous time of year, but I also know, whether it's the weather, the early darkness, family strife, or even maybe you're experiencing the loss of someone you care about, it might be hard to hear somebody tell you to buck up because you're a child of God and should be excited to be who you are and, who, and whose you are. It might hurt. A lot. You might even be in a spot where it seems everything just hurts. Then you wish it would stop. I'm here to tell you that I've been there. I know what that darkness feels like both before and after I've met God. And as a self-professed storyteller myself, I'm here to tell you that this story that we're all in right now would be tragically lacking without you in it. We would all be worse off if you weren't part of it, because God doesn't waste ink on filler characters. You really are a child of God, you know. Even when it doesn't feel like it. And if nobody else has told you that, I want to. And whenever the hurt you're feeling passes over, we'll all sit down and talk about what God did to carry us through.
I happen to have a pretty good recipe for stone soup. That's all the time we have today. If you want to hear more nerdy devos every weekday, hit the subscribe button wherever you listen to podcasts. You can also come hang out with us on our Facebook group, The Nerd of God Squad. I'm Mike Perna for the Daily Nerd Devo, and this time more than any time, probably before, never let anyone call you suboptimal.